0: Mission um, with uh, with a mission uh, on the ground there in in Guatemala, and uh, so we we put a team together in 2014. I think about 20 people, and uh, had an amazing experience. And when we came back from that, we came back looking forward to the next opportunity. And uh, so November of 2016 was the next opportunity. So we introduced this whole uh, team back in the uh, this whole opportunity back in the winter, and a bunch of people came and got some information. And 19 people uh, followed through and said, this is the time, this is the opportunity for me, um, include me. So here's what we did. This was purely a medical mission. Uh, We utilized a core team of medical professionals with a number of people uh, rounding out the support team. Uh, We had a a doctor, a PA, three nurses, an EMT, and a pharmacist. That was our medical team. And then we had about 12 team members uh, who had virtually no experience in anything medical, we've been to the doctor a couple of times when we were kids, but we served anywhere we were needed. That's kind of how this team works. And if you think there's no place for you on a team like this, I want you to understand uh, where some of us come from. Um, we, we, we did things like counting pills and vitamins by the thousands, um, helping to fill prescriptions, helping to fill, not just on our own throwing some drugs in a bag, but we got some guidance on that, Uh, taking weights and temperatures and triage, scribing notes for the docs in the clinic, fitting patients with glasses, and of course, playing with the kids. Um, We started meeting as a team during the summertime of this year. We got a good sense for how our skill sets would work together, for how our personalities were going to gel together, and you'll hear more about all that from some of our team members. Every member of our team is going to... And not all of our team is going to speak today. I, everybody who's speaking today was like, oh, please, 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 me, me, me. And that's not true. After twisting some arms, I got a few people to speak. Um, but every member of this team, whether they're speaking today or not... Um, and I, actually, maybe this would be a good time to recognize our whole team. Um, so if you, if you served on the Guatemala mission in 2016, would you stand right now, just so everybody knows who you are? Uh, that'd be really great. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Nice. You can be seated. We had, we had four other people join us, three from Pennsylvania, one from Ohio, uh, people that we'd had previous relationships with, and we'll talk about that. But every member of this team uh, paid a price for this experience. The cost for this, the monetary cost was $2,000 a person, and everybody was responsible to raise their own funds. We didn't do team fundraising, and everybody did that. They, they, uh, they made a sacrifice that way for this service and for the opportunity to be involved. Most of our team had to take a week off of work, which meant they had to give up a week of vacation to make this happen. Two of our team members are students. They had to take a week off school, which I know sounds like a vacation. But uh, I know in both cases, they either had to get some work done ahead or catch up once they got home. So there was a sacrifice involved there. Um, Several of our team members left their spouse behind with kids and household responsibilities for the week, and that—and perhaps that sounds like a vacation to you, but uh, this is kind of a big deal to me because I, just, I understand what it takes to keep things rolling, so thank you to those of you uh, family members and spouses who stayed behind to fill the gap so that your family member could have this experience and be a part of this team. It means a lot to all of us. So we left for this mission on November 5th, we returned on the 13th, we've taken some time to get settled back into our routines, we met together as a team last Sunday to just share some stories, to look at some pictures, to reconnect, and uh, I invited anyone who wanted to speak to share something from their experience, and then I coaxed a couple other people too as well, Um, so about half our team took me up on the offer. For those of you who... um, aren't going to speak today. Uh, I've asked them to share something in writing. And we're going to put a little document together here in the next few weeks where you can hear their stories as well. So for the rest of our time here before the band comes to the stage and leads us in worship in a little bit, I'm going I'm to invite the team to share some stories. And uh, they're sharing these stories from their own perspectives and their own processing. And uh, so the first one to speak is Carrie, and I'll let you get things kicked off.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out why Todd made me go first. But, um, I was very privileged to go uh, to Guatemala the first time. So this is my, my document entitled Guatemala Take Two. Um, and I'm going to just read my thoughts. Uh, traveling to Guatemala in 2014 with the FCF team was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I was unsure how to prepare to go back again two years later with a new team and not have expectations of how things would be. I wanted to be sure that I didn't try to force this trip to be the same as the previous one and be open to what God had called me there to do. I wanted this to be different, and it was. I was amazed at what God had in store for me and I made every effort each day to search for the gifts that he was revealing. God was everywhere and in everything. He showed me beauty and faith in so many ways. He showed me through the incredible backdrop that we had every day as we traveled to and from the clinics. He showed me and children playing together tirelessly with three empty bottles in their imagination. Through a sister who advocated for her brother's medical needs and brought him to clinic two days in a row to be sure he got the treatment that he needed. Being able to share our faith with a team member, Herson, who was trying to understand his own relationship with God. I lost my spot. Uh, Watching my daughter experience things that she would never at home and seeing the loving and giving young woman that lives within her. Sharing this with her is a gift that has no words to describe. God giving me the courage to stretch myself and do something that I never thought I could do. Now my eyes are blurry and
0: I can't see. <laughs> Should have used bigger font. Uh, I yeah. shut up.
1: <laughs> Being able to see the strengths that each person on our team possessed mm. and watching them serve people they had never met and may likely never see again. Garth and Deb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The gift that I hold most dearly, though, is this. On one of our rides to or from a clinic, Gustavo, who was part of our host family, shared the story of how Cairo's house came to be. It was a mission that God had put on the heart of his father, Paco, and it took tremendous faith in God that, and what he had planned for this family and their community. God moved Paco and his wife, Priscilla, to rent a small space and open its doors to those families who needed food and shelter while in the city getting care for their children with cancer. There was no plan as to how to pay the bills or where the food would come from, but he was sure that God would provide whatever was needed. Every day was a worry as to how they would feed and shelter those that they served, but each day God fulfilled the promise that he had made to Paco when he asked him to take this journey. On one occasion, the refrigerator at Cairo's house gave out. Worried as to how to replace it, uh, the Valdez family sat around the table trying to work through this challenge. As they sat there, the phone rang. A wealthy woman from the community was calling to ask what they may need for Cairo's house. Her friends wanted to buy her something to celebrate her birthday, but she really didn't have any needs or desires, and she was going to have them buy something for Cairo's house in lieu of gifts for her. They shared their need for a new refrigerator. The woman agreed to to it, stating that it would take a few days for delivery, but that it would be there. Grateful that their prayers had been answered, they set to work trying to salvage as much food as possible from the broken appliance and keep it cold. Later in the day, the refrigerator appeared. Mm-hmm. God provided.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> Go ahead. <Okay. laughs> Don't mind them. <laughs>
2: The team would like to say a huge thank you to all of you, our church family, and all others that you may have commissioned in creating um, all the beautiful prayer shawls and lap blankets that we took with us. We had over five dozen handcrafted gifts to leave at Cairo's House. The message that these send to each individual in need is bigger than mere words can express. They were extremely grateful, and we know they will be treasured. We also want to thank you for all the school supplies you contributed. Let me say, wow. (laughs) We were able to uh, overstuff five good-sized backpacks full of these supplies. We left one at every school in each village we visited and were able to leave one at Cairo's house as well. The Guatemalan school children are currently on their summer vacation, but we know these supplies will be greatly appreciated when they resume classes in January. Again... Thank you so much for your wonderful giving spirits, and we look forward to to you again for help with our next trip in 2018. Mm -hmm.
0: There it is. That's the first official announcement right there. (laughs) Go ahead, Bill.
3: All right. Boy, it's my turn, huh? Well, I entitled mine, My Notes from the Second Trip to Guatemala. All right. Um, I was lucky enough to go on this trip both times, and both times I got to do it with my wife. (laughs) <laughs> she put a huge amount of effort into making it happen from raising the money to gathering the stuff for the trip. For me, this trip was completely different than it was the last time. The last time I went with no expectations and God put me in a spot that really touched my heart and soul. This time I went with no expectation expectations again, but this time I really felt like I had no purpose there or had no meaning like the it had no meaning like the last time and then i remembered my fra- my, my favorite proverb proverb 16:9 which says we can make our plans but the lord determines our steps yes i worked in the pharmacy and it was a job that needed to be done but it wasn't the same this time i wanted that feeling that i had the last time i craved for god um, I craved for it, but God had a different plan for me this time. We were lucky enough to have some wonderful interpreters and helpers this time, from the twins Carol and Gabby to Gustavo, Francisco, and Ingrid, Francisco's wife, and Anna, who helped us in the pharmacy handing out the bags to each person and explaining the, the drugs and how to use them. As I was saying earlier, God had n- had a different plan for me on this trip. Some people... Some people know that I'm just a big kid, and I really enjoy making people happy. See the picture. <laughs> Hard to believe. Oh no, there's nothing on the screen. Don't worry okay, about it. all right. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, yeah, everybody knows that I'm just a big kid, and I really enjoy making people happy. I'm very good at giving people nicknames, even though some people don't know I have nicknames for them. <laughs> All right I was, um, I was most of the comedic relief in the pharmacy from trying to teach Gustavo to speak Downista um, to teasing Anna about playing games on her phone when she wasn't doing anything else. Um, do you know how God puts people in your way that, uh, that might need something to smile about, but you just didn't know it at the time, and maybe and just maybe that person might be you. Well, this happened to me on this trip. We had helpers, Sarah, Felipe, and I'm going to try to say it, Rakina. Nice. (laughs) There they are. They were our helpers. Um, um, Or as I called them, Ralph, Kevin, and Bob. (laughs) I couldn't say Rakina's name very well, and I still can't. So um, so I had to... uh, Lost my place. <laughs> I couldn't say Rakina name name very well. So I told her that I was going to give her that I was going to call her Bob because she had such a pretty name that I didn't want to butcher it. So if I gave one a nickname, I had to give them all one too. Well Bob was a real sport about it, and so was Ralph. Kevin, not so much, but he amused me. <laughs> These three kids were just what I needed to wake me up. To see, that God, to see what God was doing in, in the lives of these wonderful children. They have been raised by some wonderful, pe- God-loving people, and it's great to see that the Valdez family ministry is going to be in good hands in the future. I was talking to Gustavo after the last day of clinic, and he wanted to thank me for being so kind to the kids, especially Ralph, Sarah, he told me that she had been bullied at school all year long and it wasn't just the kids doing the bullying but it was the teachers also he said that she had developed a shell that not many people had been able to penetrate but I had brought her out of it just by showing her friendship and love she's a wonderful young lady and has a great spirit spirit and I'm proud to call her my friend now Bob stole my heart this young lady is something special She has a, sorry, (laughs) she has a giving heart and a passion to serve others. I wrote a note to her dad when we got home, thanking him for letting us have her for the week. He wrote back to me, thanking me. He said that she had been talking about us nonstop, and he was even calling her Bob. (laughs) (laughs) He said that it was easy to raise a child with God when you have wonderful God-loving people around them, even if... Even if we don't speak the same language, and we but we speak in God's love, I thank God every day for such a wonderful trip and for touching my life with these three kids. I heard a quote um, on the TV at the resort just before we left, um, and it, the quote was, "Don't cry because it's over, but smile because it happened." Now, uh, yeah, and I wrote, "Now you know why I smile all the time." <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's my story. Thank you, Bill. Go ahead. I know, they're coming, they're coming. Here, see, here comes the guy. Oh, here. We'll let the guys settle in. Yeah, see, people didn't even notice that happened. See, it was so slick that way, yeah.
4: didn't trip.
0: Now you're on. Okay.
5: Well, mine doesn't have a title, but... This was my first time going on the trip, so uh, I've wanted to go on a missions trip for as long as I can remember. I would hear from those who had gone on them, and I just knew I was meant to do it, too. Well, the time had come where I had this amazing opportunity to work in my field and serve God, and I was all in and following God's will. Then the airport happened. <laughs> my name was spelled wrong on my boarding pass, and I didn't know if it was going to be a big deal or not, but I decided to check and make sure it would still be Okay. Oh, they won't let you in the country if it doesn't match your passport. And the attendant handed me a card to call customer service. I couldn't hear well because my heart was pounding in my chest.
0: Can we just say? Sorry, yeah. I'm not going to interrupt people, but I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's just remind people what time of day this was. This was about 4:15 on Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. All right. So okay. we were all in a great mood. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, I didn't want to hold everyone up and hold the team back from the amazing work that we were headed for. I just wouldn't go. Maybe this wasn't where God wanted me right now. I did call customer service and talked to a, a couple different people who said there was nothing they could do, that we had to call the travel agency at 4.30 in the morning on a Sunday and get it fixed. I listened to some very peaceful and raging music and watched my hands shake. I got back in line, and Todd, feeling about as helpless as I did, I'm sure, said, we're just going to sit back here and pray. At, the mo- at that moment, God flooded my heart and my mind with peace. I knew I was wanted and needed and that God would provide a way for me to do his work. I was told I had to pay a fee to have my name changed on the ticket. No problem. I would have bought a whole new ticket at that point. Um, after a little more waiting and my bags having to be pulled off the plane and re-tagged, the Delta rep explained that she was going to waive the fee for the name change. <laughs> Thanks, God. And I, I even had time for a bagel before the plane left. So. Uh, the moment I first knew I was in for a special week was listening to Mrs. Valdez welcome us. She has seen so many teams come through, and she was still so grateful and gracious and passionate about the work we were about to do. Q waterworks number one. Waterworks number two happened on the ride up the mountain on the very first clinic day. I looked out, because you do not want to look down, and took in the view. My heart was in my throat because I was so overwhelmed by the beauty. I was humbled yet again that God would make something so indescribably magnificent for me to enjoy. And again, he placed a piece on my heart that this is where I needed to be. There were times fear crept in and the piece slipped away for a while. For instance, I was nervous that I wouldn't know what to do when I first got to the clinic. I knew it would be very different from the triage we see in our ER, and to me the unknown was frightening triaging i found was the easy part not being able to communicate with words was frustrating and made me feel inadequate at first the first family came into the room and there were no translators in sight all seven of them came and sat at my triage table and i'm sure my eyes were as big as dinner plates who was the patient? No one stood out to me as really sick. Should I just go at them with my stethoscope? Instead, I sat and smiled, and I smiled my face off until I saw the beautiful face of one of our translators, and he told me who the patient was. All seven of them. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I shared a lot of smiles over the four clinic days. It's just what you do when you can't make yourself understood in any other way, but you so desperately want to share God's light and love with someone. It's amazing what you can communicate with a soft voice, a gentle touch, and a smile. After the shock factor of the first day, God calmed my nerves and allowed me to experience so much. Each night, Gustavo asked us where we saw God that day, and I saw him in so many places, just some of which were our team, running on little sleep, being in very close quarters for most of the time, and never being grouchy or harsh. The children, sharing the jump ropes we had just given them, the laughter and smiles as they looked at the pictures we took of them, the way they loved on their siblings and friends, the parents, I never heard yelling or saw anger even once. These people waited several hours in the hot sun every day, and no one was impatient or demanding. And the feet, those feet that walked miles every day on sharp rocks and sticks, sometimes with no shoes or just tattered boots and sandals, those feet that I was blessed to hold and wash, that was when Jesus showed me what it was like to be him to someone, and when I realized how truly simple and beautiful love could be. My experience in Guatemala was nothing like I had pictured a mission trip to be and everything that I needed it to be. Mm -hmm. Gustavo also asked us what kind of Christianity we want to live. Returning to real life, Mm -hmm. I'm determined to be intentional about love every single day. It's so easy to judge and isolate your little world into a bubble of superiority, Mm -hmm. but a genuine smile to someone you've never seen before might be the only glimpse of God they get that day. The simplicity of life in the mountains of Chikamula has allowed me to slow down and make my hectic world a little less busy, so I have more time for love.
7: Hmm. Nice. Good job. Well, good morning. In Guatemala, we would say, Buenos Dias. You might know this Sunday school song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. No, my heart couldn't help but sing that song when I saw the beautifully dressed, colorful, colorful kids playing in the different schoolyards in the mountains of Chikamola. My, de- my desire for this medical missions trip was simple. <coughs> I wanted to connect relationally with the people, people on our team and people of Guatemala. As a team, we couldn't speak the language, Spanish, but we could show God's love through our deeds our actions, our smiles, and I can say we truly had fun playing with the kids, too. Actually, I enjoyed practicing my Spanish with the Guatemalan ministry partners. It's amazing what you can recall after being out of high school over 25 years. Through this, relationships began. I think of people like Paco and his wife Priscilla from, our, from the uh, Kairos House Ministry, their son, Francisco, and we called him Paquito, and his wife, Ingrid, along with their two amazing kids, Sarah and Felipe. Gustavo, which is Francisco's younger brother. Her son, and he was a volunteer who helped us with uh, driving us to the clinics as well as uh, performing interpreting. And then there was two wonderful sisters, twin sisters, girls, Gabby and Carol, who worked side-by-side interpreting for our doctors. My prayer for the week was to be his hands and his feet, and to simply serve others. I focused on Psalm chapter 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The first day of medical clinics, I decided to help in triage. I assisted nurses Paula and Mariah by helping to take the temperatures of the patients. What we did is we set up two stations, uh, each with a nurse and an interpreter at each table. And weights were taken first when the family units sat together, um, either, and we sat them either at the triage tables. The nurses asked assessment questions like um, and, and performed blood pressures. Uh, lungs were listened to, and heads were sometimes checked for lice. Amy recorded the people's weights. And i got to tell you, this was a little humorous to me on the recording of the weights, We as Americans, we know how to stand on a bathroom scale, and we take it for granted. But uh, some of the villagers never seen a bathroom scale, and uh, so the guys and gals would stand on it sideways or backwards or or cover the weight numbers. It's just little things like this that that, uh, we can find humor in. As I said, my job was to take the temperatures. But how do you do that when you don't speak the language fluently? I would open my mouth real wide and say, ah, and point under my tongue for where the thermometer should go. Later that day, Francisco, he reminded me of a couple Spanish words, Sierra La Boca, which literally means close your mouth. (laughs) At the end of that first day, we had some of our teammates, Aaron, Amy, and I think Kelly, handed out candy to the kids. And when I said hand out candy, it was a lot of candy. And being a good Boy Scout, I thought, this should be cleaned up. After all, this is their schoolyard. So I consulted with our uh, new friend, Francisco, and I asked, hey, is it culturally relevant for me to ask the kids to clean up the schoolyard? And he thought for a minute, and he said yes. And so very quickly in Spanish, which I couldn't interpret, he uh, quickly assembled a game of whoever picked up the most trash would earn, yes, more candy. The kids swarmed around me like bees, putting their paper treasures and fruit pillings into a garbage can that I was holding up high, and I counted in Spanish, uno, dos, tres, etc., as they placed the candy in the garbage can. Sarah, Francisco's daughter, then handed a lollipop to each one as I counted the respective trash. And yes, the new candy wrapper went on the ground. (laughs) But it was fun playing with the kids, and I learned a culturally relevant lesson Trash on the ground in Guatemala is accepted norm. It's no big deal to them. Day one ended with 110 people being served. Can I have that back? A little quick. Because it starts with day two. The second day of medical clinics was in a different village. Now, this village, we would be there for day two and three. The school was called Escuela Oficial Aldea La Marimba, being the official school of the village. I used a permanent marker this day to draw arrows on the scale, hoping these lines would give a clear picture of how to line up your feet. It didn't help. (laughs) Again, a little humor. Again, helped Paula and Mariah in the triage room the second day, taking temperatures. But this day, I recruited a new partner in crime from our team, Deb Winslow. I passed on my new acquired knowledge of Sierra La Boca, and we added to our vocabulary, la lingua, which means the tongue. Day two ended with 154 people being served. On the third day of medical clinics, it continued in the same village. However, today I traded with Garth so he could be with his wife, Deb. I worked alongside my roommate, Doug Rhoda, in the clinic room. He's a physician's assistant at the Millinocket Hospital. However, this week for me, he was Dr. Doug. I scribed his pharmacy orders for each person, prescribing um, in shortened code things like H2 versus PPI, Worm RX, NSAID, or APAP, which if you're in the medical industry, that's Tylenol. Doug later shared with me that he saw more patients in one single day at the medical clinics than he would see in an entire month in Millinocket. Day three ended with 153 people being served. The fourth day of medical clinics was surreal to me. I couldn't believe that this was the last day. I rode solo in the morning in Paco's pickup truck. Paco only speaks Spanish and can understand some English. And me, as an American gringo, I speak English and hable español muy poco. It's amazing, though, what can be communicated without speaking fluently the other person's language. I learned from Paco that he just had celebrated his 66th birthday, Sisinti He's an amazing guide leading the Valvdez family in the Cairo House Ministry. Paco and I arrived to the village first, and we unloaded the supplies, and I quickly snapped a photo of three girls and a boy standing behind a Suzuki motorcycle. This village, for me, was very colorful. The schoolhouse had a beautiful mural of an African scene on it, having an African lion, an elephant, a tiger, etc., a monkey, all painted on the side of the school building. This picture, to me, kind of portrayed the message that all people of the world can live harmoniously together. Today, I again helped Dr. Doug, scribing the pharmacy orders until lunchtime. It was a beautiful day stamped with great memories. I want to tell you just about one family a mother, a 34-year-old mother, came up with her daughters, ages 17, 15, and 13, a son, and a baby boy. I asked to hold the baby while Doug attended to the girl holding the boy, whom I assumed was her little baby brother. I learned in actuality that that baby boy was the 17 year olds uh, daughter's son. And uh, this kind of pricked my heart because I have a 16-year-old son. Another impactful moment of the day was giving a necklace to a little girl that was made by a nine-year-old girl named Sophia from Bangor. I asked Sarah to help me find a, a girl to give the necklace to. Now, Sarah's Francisco's daughter. As a man on this mission trip, I was careful not to directly give this kind of gift to a girl. So Sarah, for me, she found a girl to, to give the gift to. And she tied it around this little girl's neck, and I have no idea what the name is. And one of the pictures behind me may, I have no idea because I haven't looked around, may be a little girl dressed in a black and white dress. And you'll see it later, um, but a little beaded necklace. It's these kind of things that we can show our love to others, and they mean so much to the people of Guatemala who, frankly, have nothing. Day four ended with over 100 people being served. Four days of medical missions trip, um, we served over 500 people throughout the week. The team was challenged by Gustavo after our evening meal. And we talked about things like intentional living. The mission field is where you are. And I heard recently someone else say, bloom where you're planted. And for me, the most uh, thought-provoking question of all was, What kind of Christianity do we want to practice? What kind of Christianity do we want to practice? So in conclusion, would I recommend you guys going on a medical mission trip with Faith Community? Absolutely. You might build lasting friendships. Uh, you'll, You'll certainly gain a new perspective. It might even change your life. That was Tim's,
4: this is mine. <laughs> it's a really small font. It's not really. Um before I actually start reading this, I just You're gonna sing song, again. <laughs> well I was, but no, I I just wanted to say that I did I I got to experience this uh trip with my wife, which was uh really awesome. Um that was a huge sacrifice on her part to uh go However, many thousands of miles to uh, to Guatemala and leave all four of her children behind, which she's never done, and neither have I. But I think it was a little bit harder for for her. Um, it was fun for me. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> but it was it's a, a it was a really cool thing for for Deb to be able to to do that. Um, I had no um, persuasion in that. Uh, this whole going on this trip was really her idea. Uh, I don't know how that even came to be. How that how she would do something so far out of her comfort zone uh to be able to to do that was just amazing. Um and it was a really cool experience to experience that with her. Um with all these deep things that people have written here, I just kind of I just <laughs> I yeah, I just kind of picked one one thing that kind of stood out for me. Um just uh about a month ago almost exactly uh tomorrow a month ago, we set out on this adventure and had no idea what was in store, or even what my expectations were, because I've never really left uh, New England uh, multiple times. We got into a um, what seemed like a seven-passenger van with about 20 people in it, and we yeah we drove over an over an hour, I think, each day um, from our hotel up a mountain to these uh, to these villages. And as Tim said, you wanted to look forward or up; you did not want to look out and down because that was imminent death. Um, (laughs) Would you look at that? Um, (laughs) We'd go up to these villages of these men, women, and children, all in need of some type of uh, medicine or or help or whatever we could give them. Uh, There were three villages in total over a four-day period. Uh, These people, they have nothing um, in comparison to what we have right now. Um, At one point... My job was, in fact, taking temperatures with my wife in in triage. And one of my other jobs was to actually hand out uh, little rubber ducks to the kids who might be afraid of the thermometer or the overall experience. Well, I'm kind of a sucker for cute kids, so I may have been giving them out freely to people who weren't crying. Um, (laughs) We had a lot of them. Uh, I handed one to a little boy. I think it was a family of four. And as soon as I gave him the duck, he, without hesitation, went right over to his sister and gave it to her. Um, I mean, these you, you have to put it into perspective where they don't... A little rubber duck is, like, awesome to the, to these kids. And I gave him one, and he, g- he went and gave it to his sister. So it was then that I, I realized that they may be poor and in, in money and uh, poverty-stricken, but they're extremely rich in love for each other. They, they all smile, no matter what. I and mean, when you're there the whole time, everybody, you smile at them, they smile back. It was absolutely amazing. And experiencing this uh, kind of makes it difficult to come back here where, like I said, whether you believe it or not, we are all richer than you can imagine... In comparison, um, I kind of feel like it's kind of the opposite for us. We're we're kind of poor in that, in that, and it was hard to uh, to come back. Um, so the challenge for me now is bringing back what I've seen and what I've experienced, and translating it into a love for everyone, and hoping that even though I'm only one person, I can be an example and a light that everyone else can see. So.
8: Why is this so can, much, I know, but why is this realize. so much harder than singing on a mic? Yeah. <laughs> um, I titled mine, I'm probably going to butcher this, El Gente, but it's Spanish for the people. Um, when I think back on my time in Guatemala, it's the people that stand out and the lessons that I took away from my interactions with them. I remember thinking after our first clinic that the people in Guatemala really aren't that different from us um, in what truly matters to them. They want to be able to provide for their families and care for their children and make a difference in their communities. There are a few who stand out and who will remain a part of me and my memories for years to come. Um, The first is Elmer. Elmer is five years old um, with a mom and a dad and seven siblings and two other adult relatives. That's Elmer, isn't he cute? Um, Elmer has Down syndrome. We treated him for some open sores on his feet. When Dr. Roger asked his mom if he had shoes, she advised us that he did have shoes, um, but since he doesn't like to wear them, he had thrown them in the fire. This little guy was so happy, and he had a smile for everyone, and his siblings doted on him. Unconditional love for a child with a disability in a land where caring for the healthiest child is a challenge. I think we all fell a little in love with Elmer that day. That's (sighs) only one. No, I'm not done yet. I
0: thought you were handing
8: that to me. Take your time. Um, The next is Francisco, who is part of our host team. Francisco Valdez is head of Cairo's house ministry and worked with us as a translator and played a bit of bad soccer with us. He was the only one of the Guatemalans who didn't run circles around us on the soccer field. His heart for his people was obvious and inspiring. He was translating for Dr. Roger during our last day of clinics when I was scribing. Little Anna came in with her two sisters. The oldest was 11, who had brought her two sisters to the clinic because mom was home with a newborn baby. Anna is three years old. According to her sisters, she had never smiled or spoken. No emotion showed on her face, and there was no reaction to anything Dr. Roger asked her. Francisco, who was seated next to her, said, it breaks my heart. What chance does she have up here? His heart oh gosh, I can't read it if it's shaking. <laughs> it's OK. No, I got. It. <sighs> oh, that might help. No. His heart for these children and the people of the mountain villages really made me rethink how I respond to the disadvantage here in the U.S. Too often, my thinking leads to, if someone deserves help. I never even considered that question while I was serving in Guatemala. I'm praying for God to plant in me a love for people that serves without question or judgment, to give the same grace and mercy to those in my own country that I gave in Guatemala. Mary Ella. We met Mary Ella in the marketplace in Antigua. She had a booth where we ended up purchasing a number of items and returned numerous times. Um, While a very good saleswoman, she wasn't pushy, but just persistent. Our favorite line of hers when Faith was negotiating a price with her, Um, And she comes back with, you're killing me. (laughs) I was wearing one of my Guatemala t-shirts, and she asked if we were there on a mission trip. When we told her we were, she thanked us for coming and helping her people. The gratitude that we experienced from people was humbling. It felt at times like we were doing so little, but people were so grateful for what we were offering. On my third trip back to her booth, I made sure to get her photo and name and told her I would remember her, and I will. Katharina the last OK. the last family seen by Roger on um, the day of our third clinic had a two-month-old baby. Her name was Katharina, and she weighed nine pounds. The triage form noted failure to thrive, which was an extreme understatement. When Roger unwrapped Katharina to examine her, it was obvious that she had weighed more at one time, but was now basically skin and bones. Holding back the tears so as to not break down in front of this mom and the other children was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. We complain about our healthcare system, and yes, it's a mess. But if this baby were in the U.S., there are any number of tests and treatments that could find out what was wrong and make her better. In a schoolhouse clinic, there was very little that Dr. Roger could do to determine what was wrong, let alone come up with a solution. This was the heartbreaking moment in the trip for me. I can't begin to imagine the frustration that must have been felt by our doctors in situations like this. But the depth of concern was heartwarming. The next morning, Dr. Roger was still thinking about what might be wrong and checking with Gustavo and Francisco to see if there was a way to follow up on this baby and her family. What the future holds for Katharina, only God knows. But she's been in my prayers since I met her and can only hope and pray that the next time a team from FCF returns, we'll find her as a healthy toddler running around. So many other faces and names remain in my memory. Little Rudy, who was all smiles. Sarlon, the 37-year-old mom with rheumatoid arthritis. The Valdez family, my teammates. Every day, God revealed himself in the people I shared the date with. It was an incredible experience that opened my eyes to just how privileged I am and how much I take, for, take what I have for granted. My favorite luxury during our San Antigua, ice. We can get clean water from the faucet, but I missed ice. We're so spoiled and we don't even know it. It's hard for me to comprehend how, in just six days, God could plant such an incredible love for the people of Guatemala in my heart. I hope and plan to return someday and, again, serve these humble, gracious people and to show the love of God for them as they reflect it back to us.
9: Now that I'm all emotional... (laughs) These are some thoughts from my journal while we were there. So as many of you know, this was my second trip to Guatemala. I've had a lot of people asking how this trip compared to the last. It is hard to compare because while there were many lessons learned on both trips, they were definitely two separate experiences. The first time I went, I was a junior in high school trying to figure out what to do with my life. I had contemplated culinary, art, teaching. I shared a special moment with a little boy during my first trip. And when the time came to pick a major for college, that was the moment I went back to that ultimately led me to the decision to work with kids. Now, as a student in college in my second year um, toward a degree in early childhood, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with my life. I have had challenging and frustrating moments with kids here that have made me question my abilities and calling to work with kids. However, on our first day in the mountains, who was one of the first kids I saw? My Guatemalan boyfriend from my first trip. Sorry, Jeff, He was first. (laughs) We played for hours yet again. Definitely a highlight of my trip. Playing with him reminded me of why I want to work with kids. But it also opened my eyes to the bigger picture. That's him right there. (laughs) I've spent so much time trying to figure out my life through attempting to keep it all together with good grades, a good job, and knowing where my life is headed. But does anyone ever get to a point where they say, there, I got it, I have my life figured out. I think the greatest lesson I learned on this trip is that it's not about what I do. It's about what I stand for. And I want to stand for love. And not our world's definition of convenient love, but true agape love. As a follower of Christ, my two greatest deeds are to love God and to love others. (laughs) This is something I got to experience firsthand for a whole week in Guatemala. I got to be a part of a team of selfless people. They didn't let their comfort zones, politics, fears, or their own desires get in the way of their purpose for being there whether it was the smile brought to a child's face from playing with a ball, the coming together to perform a procedure to restore a little boy's health and comfort, the joy of a kid receiving a photo of themselves for the first time, the encouragement among the team. There are countless moments that I could share of how I saw Christ-like love in each of my team members, although I think there is one story that sums up the service I saw in my team. At one particular village, there was a window between the pharmacy and triage, One of the many times I was in the pharmacy counting pills, I stood up to take a break. I peeked into triage and I got to witness a moment that I won't forget for a long time. I saw one of our nurses, Paula, sanitize her hands after the woman she had been working with got up to leave. When the woman saw what Paula was doing, she reached out her hands. I was then standing with a big smile on my face as I watched Paula happily clean this woman's hands. My brain immediately went back to the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Jesus, Lord of all, was willing to lower himself to do the job of the least important servant, washing his disciples' feet. Jesus was showing us that we should always be willing to serve others. This moment sums up the genuine willingness to serve I saw on my team all week long, but also reminded me to remember the bigger picture, to always be ready to serve, whether in another country or my own home. I was certainly honored to serve with a team full of people who came together for the same reason, to love God and to love people. There's a lot going on in our world. It's easy to get caught up in the chaos and our own worries and busyness. Honestly, I spent the week before we left having mental breakdowns to the point of feeling like I was in no place to go on this trip. Turns out this trip is exactly where I needed to be. It was the reminder that life isn't about me and my problems. Life is about bringing glory to God. That is why we were created. I was listening to one of my favorite songwriters, Ben Rector, on the way home. I could add to his words, but it wouldn't do any good because his words sum up my prayer following this trip. This whole world is spinning crazy, and I can't quite keep up. It's the one thing around here that we don't have quite enough of, so I just want to look a little more like love.
6: So, uh, I haven't done any writing in a long time, and I definitely felt a little out of of practice, but... For several years now, I've been entrenched in my comfort zone, fortified with a green easy chair, laptop, a Netflix subscription, and surrounded by a sort of paraphernalia of a dozen underexplored hobbies. In fact, that's where I was sitting next to the wood stove last January when Michelle Mitchell sent me a message on Facebook asking if I'd consider joining FCF group, going to Guatemala as one of the medical providers. A few days later, still sitting in that chair, I was having a conversation with Tim McCall, Uh, the pharmacist who kind of organized things. The next thing I knew, after a flurry of emails, a couple of trips to Ellsworth and Trenton to meet some of the team, and about 10 months of life as usual, I was pried out of said chair and eating dinner with the team at Chili's in Portland, trying to get my Teflon brain to learn everyone's names. 24 hours later, we were bumping down the highway in the back of a 16-passenger minivan, uh, and it was every bit the adventure that I had hoped it would be and more. Some of the things that I expected were to work hard with limited resources to serve people whose lives I could hardly comprehend. Poverty and shocking living conditions. I expected to be confronted by patients with some serious illnesses and conditions that would be easily treatable at home and not have the skills or resources to do anything about it. Uh, And I also was led to believe that there would be electrified showers with hot water. (laughs) (coughs) Things that I did not expect, cold showers. And how good those could feel after a hot, sweaty day of dusty hard work. The quiet patience of a people who are willing to wait for hours in the hot sun to be seen without grumbling or complaint. Children caring for younger siblings and neighbors. Ladies in elegant traditional garb and young boys in dress shirts. Dogs that would wander, wander into the clinic with each rib readily countable. The ubiquitous litter lining every street and path. Smiling, curious faces that would peer through the windows at our backs. The hen's-teeth senior citizens, stoop-backed, arthritis-snarled, but respected and loved. A gifted chicken. Eight-year-olds who drink more coffee than I do. The dedication and love of the Valdez family. Green mountains with crops planted on treacherous slopes and cell phone towers in the wilderness. pickup beds crowded with workers coming back up the mountain after a back-bending day of harvesting coffee beans. Speed bumps and the relived childhood joy of riding in the back of a pickup truck. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Champaradas, Dunkin' in coffee and meals with the love simmered in, and our team, who welcomed me with open arms and hearts. Almost a month later, I'm still trying to process the experience. Going to Guatemala broke me out of my routine and freed me to be a better person than I am in my day-to-day life. It gave me the chance to serve people without worrying about their motives and without feeling like a data entry technician. We were there to serve God by serving our fellow man, and we did it well. The challenge is to bring that home and not to put that serpent's heart and attitude away with my passport. Stay right here for a second. I don't need it. Yeah, I'll, t- oh, I'll take it. I'll take it.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, we have one more one more story, and, and this is by video uh, from tim and Mary McCall and and this was uh, they shot this this week and emailed it to me and it 's not super great quality, so forgive us, but you 'll get the message. This is from Tim and Mary. Watch this. Yeah, thanks guys.
10: Hi all you guys up in Maine. Just wanted to say hi to our friends and family up at FCF um, say that we love you and miss you. Um, Todd asked us to shoot a little video just about our experiences on the Guatemala trip this year Um, and I can tell you that I'm much happier to be shooting this video in my living room or dining room instead of standing up in front of all you guys. You know how much I love getting up in front of people. But uh, just a few words about the trip. It was an awesome trip. It was probably one of the best mission trips that I've been on in the many that I've done so far in my life. And I, I think that was just because of the team and the efforts that everybody put into it going into the trip, the support of the church and the church family, um, and just the, the full buy-in from the entire team. Um, I haven't had a team that was so well prepared and work so well together than the team that was in Guatemala this year. Uh, Kairos Ministries has complimented us on the job that we do as a team from Maine both times that we've been down there, and it, it, was, it was just an awesome experience. Um, I'd just like to say again thank you to the church, the church family, for your support and prayers. Uh, wish we were up there, uh, and just we miss you guys. And have a great day today. you got anything you want to add?
11: Sure, <laughs> uh, we had a great trip um I, I really enjoyed the team that we had. Um, it was an awesome team, like Tim said. We had just everyone just gelled, and we Tim and I both uh, could feel just that everyone played a great part in a in in the mission that we did and It was great to see everybody this some of the same people and doing the same uh, things that we did before but uh, again I think every time we go it's just it's a different feeling and get to see new people Um, I just uh, wanted to say that um, we we just can't wait to do it again we're looking forward to the next uh, trip in two years and uh, I hope uh, everybody is wanting to go again that went this time possibly. I don't know. It's great to see the same people, um, but it's good to see the new people, too. Uh, all the new people that went this time just fell right into place, and, and just um, it was just really neat to see how it changed their hearts and uh, how God worked in, in, in just great ways in um, all of us. So uh, thanks to everybody who helped out in every way, and we just uh, can't wait to see everyone again. Thanks.
10: The other things I wanted to say was, you know, I, I run a pharmacy for my career and I have not had a pharmacy run as well as ours did. And that was thanks to the organization of Faith Snell. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and having Doug routed there for his first trip, he, he jumped in like, um, nobody's business and was, uh, like a expert as soon as he hit the ground, um, And the other exciting thing for me was to see Garth and Deb completely stepping out of their comfort zone and just getting involved and and diving into serving others. There is one thing that I did learn on this trip uh, through working with Faith Snow, and that's that I am Mr. Right.
11: And I am Mrs. Always Right.
10: We love you guys.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm thankful for to Mary taking the time to, to do that and sharing that with us. Uh, just a couple things we wrap up. And just so you know, we're running really long from what we planned, but whatever. If you've got a lunch appointment or whatever, um, feel free to do what you've got to do. About 10 days before, because uh, I haven't even started yet, so settle in. No, just, just about, give me two minutes. About 10 days before we were uh, to leave, we discovered that Delta had changed their baggage fees policy for travel to Central America. Our 2014 team paid no baggage fees. Uh, and after talking with our travel agent, he confirmed that, yes, we would have to this time pay for each bag, that with nine, every bag. So with 19 of us, each carrying a personal bag, as well as 15 bags uh, with all of our teams coming from different locations, 15 bags of meds and supplies and candy and toys for the kids. Um, We were about to take a $1,500 hit to our budget. And you know when you travel how much you just, you feel like you're really getting value for your dollar when you pay a baggage fee? You know what I'm talking about? It was just like throwing money out the window. We made a couple calls to the airline. They gave us an email address to, to send a request for a waiver, which we did. And, but we had already passed the deadline for that, so we weren't expecting much of a break. We immediately shared the need with the church through uh, Facebook and through an email blitz, and, and you responded to the tune of $1,600. And, uh, yeah and including some of our team members from our 2014 trip who uh, were able to, they, they just want to be a part of this as well. A couple days later after that, we received word from Delta that they had indeed waived the fees for one bag uh, for each person on the way down only. Uh, we were still looking at about $1,200 in fees for our team from Pennsylvania and our return flights. Make a long, I'm going to make a long story short. The team from PA paid $120 in baggage fees. The rest of us paid nothing. I don't know how that worked. I went back and checked their policy online. We should have paid for bags. We put it should have paid for the second bag, should have paid for all the bags coming home. We checked in at the kiosks. I think Bill and I were two of the first and we got to the total fees, zero Q. And I'm like, well, zero Q, how many dollars is that going to be? Uh, <laughs> no fees. So did you hear me? no fees. So if it's all right with you, for those of you who gave generously to that last-minute appeal, those funds are still sitting in the bank. So if it's okay with you, we could have a church vote, which would be like historic because we've never done that. But if it's okay with you, those of you who gave, what we'd like to do is take those funds and begin supporting Kairos Ministry on a monthly basis starting in December. All in favor? Motion passed. Good. Um, We want (laughs) to... We want to. Uh, we have funded a, a year of support at a hundred dollars a month just to start um, for the next year. Kairos does such a, a wonderful uh, a job of just partnering with us in this ministry, and the, the Valdez family is such an amazing uh, host team. And they've done this uh, enough now that they have they have got their budgeting down to a T. Um, of course, we travel with some surplus funds. We've done that. That's advisable to do. So. For any additional spending we might have to do, we made two quick stops to the pharmacy late in the trip, spent almost nothing there. Um, but because of the Valdezes, mostly uh, Gustavo's wife, Elizabeth, who does the budgeting, um, her budgeting was so spot, spot on. We spent less than $200 extra dollars, So we left them, and Francisco in particular, with $800 American before we left Uh, the airport. And that was just kind of like here, here's everything we had as a petty cash. It's yours. So um, I'm proud to play a part on this team, uh, to work together with people like this. You've heard so much uh, said about the the character of our our team members and all the preparation and all the many, many conversations and all those emails from me. Sorry about that. The team meetings, uh, the budgeting, the financial side of things, the travel planning. And then for the most part for me to stand back and watch this team spring into action, everyone finding their place, serving one another, uh, serving the people, being fully present in the experience, uh, processing together, sometimes in the ride home, in the van ride, just to, so we wouldn't have to think about that imminent death on the right-hand side. Uh, <laughs> Lots of conversation, the processing after dinner every night in that awesome pavilion that the 2014 team built and it's still standing, um, enjoying one another's company on a soccer field, uh, worshiping together after dinner, um, riding in the back of pickup trucks and the conversations outside our rooms in the evenings, all those things. The members of this team have uh, been impacted in ways that will never leave them. And we're humbled and we're grateful for the opportunity to serve in this way. So we're hoping to make this trip happen again in the fall of 2018. We hope that this has inspired you to pray about your involvement in that and that if God is prompting you, that you'll take the next steps in that direction. As I said, we're running late. Can I just say our kids are incredible and the people who have been back there in the corner serving them today. Kairos Ministries operates with this verse, and I think a lot of you do too, and I've seen it in the back of our room today, where Jesus said, I tell you, he was telling a parable, and he says, whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. And I think the challenge for us today from everyone who's spoken was to love God, and we'll do that most effectively by loving one another. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's do that unconditionally. Here's what we're going to do, because we're late and our slideshow's really long. But we're going to start it, and after we're done, we're going to play some music. And we're going to play some music until we're done, <laughs> whenever that is. So I just want you to know, we're very time-conscious right here, typically, some of us, mostly me. And uh, so I want you to know that um, I'm aware of the time. But we've got some pictures that tell the story. And the ch- songs we've chosen, we've chosen on purpose. And I got some feedback from the team on some song suggestions. So uh, I will hope you'll just enjoy the pictures. You've heard some of the story. This completes it. And the lyrics, I think, are our heart uh, in this mission. So uh, enjoy these pictures, and then we'll we'll worship in music. Watch this. ¶¶